Welcome to another episode of Empty the Playbook. Uh, more exciting free agency news this week, lots to catch up on. Uh, but before we get stuck into the uh, the nitty gritty of it, uh, let's check in with uh, with the boys. So, uh, Shapland, what's going on? Yeah, not a lot. I know I say that every week. And you know what? I'm getting tired of you asking how I'm doing. You always, <laughs> you always, always go to... Fawnsy and he's got exciting stories like his near-death experience with a fork and you know his interruption of a funeral so you know I, w- I wish I could I could lead as an exciting life as Fawnsy does in lockdown but I don't so you know what Dan how's your week been? <laughs> uh, it's a very good question uh, do you know what mate uh, my week's been very good actually uh, just getting back a bit of normality um, it's been 100 miles an hour uh, but it's good. Uh, yeah, just getting back to work uh, in my actual workplace as opposed to online is quite nice. Um, but yeah, uh, and free agency keeping me sane. Uh, the rugby breaking my heart. Um, yeah, I, I I'm, I'm seeing Wales lose out on a grand slam. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I, I was I've been thinking about this all weekend trying to make myself feel better obviously but um i was saying that i'd rather be in the position where we lost it in the final minute than have lost four games and not be in contention at all and you know super saturday mean nothing to me whereas you know the boys could have won it got you know stuff didn't go our way i mean our luck probably balanced out really from the rest of the tournament so i mean it's a and in reality, well, I say in reality, I've probably just cursed it now, so I'm going to knock on wood while I say this. But um, hopefully, we've still won the tournament, even if we're not going to got a grand slam. Um, but basically, chaps, to answer your question, my week is either work or sport. That's how I live my life. Uh, so I'm here to talk about American football. Uh, so I'd like to avoid the rugby now, if I can, please. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Thank you very much. I'm glad you were just as boring as ever. Um, Thornsey, how are you? <laughs> um, I haven't really got any exciting stories as such this week. Um, I've been waking up early, you know, not because I set an alarm early, just because my blinds are broken. So the sunlight streams in at like five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, yeah, I had a really bad day today because all my boxes are dirty. Because I'm lazy and I can't be asked to wash them. So I have like an emergency pair of boxes which are too small. So just the whole day I've had the biggest wedgie. <laughs> and it's been so annoying because you get so self-conscious because it's like, can people see it? Can can they not? And it's just very uncomfortable full stop. So yeah, that's been my week and well day, but I had clean boxes for the other six days. <laughs> I, I'm glad you added that little bit at the end. I'm excited for um, I'm excited for the the Ed Thorns book to come out. The logistics of a wedgie. Um, <laughs> it's got to be. I'm surprised you didn't. Were you were you down to Christmas socks as well, or are you still surviving on socks? No, I'm good with socks. I tend to wear socks like for multiple days. 
whereas boxes are like one day and then they're they're tossed. Except the emergency pair, obviously they're more durable. <laughs> For an emergency, I would imagine. Yeah, and I have another pair, but the waistband's broken, so I sort of hopefully, you know, <laughs> don't get down to them. <laughs> and I think all of our viewers have just turned off. <laughs> no, if anything, we've just gained some. Uh, <laughs> talking about the ins and outs of Thornsey's underwear drawer. Um, <laughs> for sale on, our, on the Instagram later on. Giveaway. <laughs> Giveaway. <Yes. laughs> I love yes. it. Why not? It'll be, Maybe this is going to be the start. With no waistband. No waistband. <laughs> this is going to be the start of a new business. Ed Thorns' emergency boxes. <laughs> you get some empty, empty the playbook like merch going, but only like underwear, and you've just got you've just got the fire and the referee going around the boxes. Yeah. It's it's underwear, but it's only sold. So if if you buy a medium, we give you an extra small. So it's giving you a ready the whole time as well. <laughs> yeah, sizes are all wrong. Uh, we could do like all black running gear as well. <laughs> <laughs> what so the boxes shine? No, so you can no, see so you look fine you. when you go to a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Tying multiple episodes together there, I love it. Uh, four socks to protect from falling forks. You know that there's there's a whole line there somewhere. Uh, boys, I I think we've cracked it here. I think we've uh, we found the missing link from the show. Uh, <laughs> right, we'll leave the uh, the sales pitch for uh, for another uh, another time, but um. First things first, uh, as we do now on Empty the Empty the Playbook, let's get into the news. So, this week, as I have dubbed it, has been the week of the wide receiver. Um, lots and lots and lots of receivers finding either their new home, some staying home for a cheeky bit less money, which was an interesting move, um, some long-term... Uh, receivers going to new new places, uh, which is really really exciting. Uh, and I've just written down some of the kind of notable ones that I think are uh, are really key to um, next season and are, are really exciting. So we got Will Fuller uh, going to Miami, really nice addition there. I think that'll be really really interesting to see how they use him. Kenny Galladay to the Giants, dream fit for me. I think that's I think that's really nice, uh, and I think that's gonna, that's something that's going to help uh, Daniel Jones really really improved the season. So I really, really like that fit. Uh, Juju back to Pittsburgh on a one-year deal. I also really like that. Um, and I rate not going to, um, although, you know, Juju is a bit of Marmite. You either love him, you hate him, depending on uh, who you are. I'm sure Chaplin's got some things to say on that. Uh, we'll get to in a minute. Corvette, Corvette. <laughs> um, yeah, nice. But um, but I, I, I really like the fact that he turned down division rivals. Uh, I really respect that, even though the team had obviously already let him go uh, or let him hit free agency. It might not be a case if they let him go, but it might might have been a case that they didn't have the cap originally and said to him all along, like, we want you back, but we, we can only offer you this amount of money. Um, I, I, I just really like that. I think uh, staying away from division rivals is a really, uh, really cool move. Uh, other ones, AJ Green, uh, going to Arizona, uh, where they a place where they don't kind of have to rely on him. I think the Bengals have been kind of like fingers crossed and hoping and praying that AJ Green's going to come back uh, and be the dominant receiver that he was before. Now he goes to a place where they've already got D Hop, uh, who's the number one guy, and AJ Green can you know 
get on with his game and uh, hopefully that'll open him up um, having D-Hop on the other side. So I, I, I really like that move. Uh, a move that I will get into later on, Emmanuel Sanders to Buffalo. Really like that too. Um, and Curtis Samuel going to the football team. Yeah, going back to uh, being the same receiving core as his college roommate, Terry McLaurin. Uh, he's a really cool fit, and I think they'll uh, they'll do some exciting things with Curtis Samuel. Uh, one that was announced today, as of David called in, uh, Deshaun Jackson going to the Rams. Uh, I think that's a really nice move to add to Cooper Cup and uh, Robert Woods, a downfield threat, uh, depending on if, you know, if he's still got that speed coming in this season. Uh, but that's pretty cool as well. Uh, so it's it you know I kind of listed that off as it went on, um, but it just proves how many exciting uh, receiver deals there's been this week, uh, and that's why I dubbed it the week of the week of the wideout. I think is more exciting than the week of the wide receiver. Um, but yeah, um, so that was kind of the key headline uh, or one of the key headlines this week. Uh, Trent Williams re-signing with uh, the 49ers for the obscene contract that he did. Uh, I know that's more your area, Shaps, but... Um... Can I uh, can I throw in my, my thing? I think it was PFF that announced it, but Trent Williams doing the pettiest thing I've ever seen, which is to become the highest paid offensive tackle in history. I believe he took 10 grand more than uh, uh, Batiari got, yeah, got paid just so he could be the highest paid ever. And I love the pettiness in that. That's beautiful. Oh, yeah, definitely. I really rate it, and I think as well. Was it was it a six year contract he signed, boys? Six. Yeah, at thirty. Yes. Yeah, I think it's more of a it's more of a sort of you will retire here deal. Like I think it's a lot of unguaranteed cash that sort of cashes in as a rolling option and stuff that the team can pick up. So it's more of a symbolic deal, I think. But it's nice to see him get the recognition and respect. I know he's already got it, but it's nice to see. Them going, we know you're old, but be old with us. Yeah, do you know what I was going? I was <laughs> kind of going to add to that as well. Is the fact that you know some people might see that as six years, like my guy's thirty three, and you're going to pay him until he's thirty nine. Like I, I legit think he could probably play until he's thirty nine. Uh, I don't think it's a case of like you know these contracts that seem to be the thing this year with like void years. Um, if you know if you play a year or two years the rest is like void and you just you know get whatever guaranteed money or whatever i legit think he might play out that contract uh you know uh injuries hopefully he doesn't get injured obviously um because he's a fantastic talent um and especially at tackle andrew whitworth shown that you can still play at a fantastic level approaching your 40s um so yeah so uh i like it i think that's a really important but left tackle is so important to tie down as we've talked about in previous podcasts uh so yeah so that's trent williams uh other quick kind of um uh notable moves um before i kind of open the floor up to any any takes that you guys want to chuck in um uh patrick peterson moving on uh, and going to minnesota uh i think that could be a really nice move um tutor in some young uh, young corners in that secondary uh, in uh, for the Vikings uh, is, is, you know, hopefully a really nice move and, you know, Patrick Peterson can still play. So uh, I really like it. And also my boy Hassan Reddick uh, that I was uh, hoping would stay at Arizona with, you know, every other guy in the league. 
has gone to Carolina. Uh, and that's a move that I really like. And that's a front that I think looks quite cool now with uh, him and Brian Burns, uh, Derek Brown. So, yeah, I think that's uh, really, really exciting. And, uh, yeah, um, takes on uh, on free agency moves, gentlemen. Any any things that really crop up that you want to uh, you want to share? Well, firstly, as an AFC North fan, I've got to talk about Juju. <laughs> I uh, knew you couldn't resist. I started talking about that about 15 minutes ago now. <laughs> yeah, but I don't like Juju. I'd, he's like you said, he's Marmite. You love him or you hate him. I respect his. I res, I think he's a good player, but he's not someone I'd want on my team or in my locker room. So you know what? I'm kind of glad that he's back. Actually, I'm not kind of glad that he's back in Pittsburgh because he keeps really like even with all the or even with all the Browns, the Browns chat that he did, he still has all his best games against the Browns, it seems like. Like, I don't think he's got under 100 receiving yards in the three games last year he played against us. But anyway, like, I don't don't think he's someone I want in my locker room, but I do kind of agree with what he did. I would, even though it's Baltimore, and I'd like to see him go to Baltimore just to spite Pittsburgh, but I, I, I do agree with you. I don't like seeing players go to division rivals. And he turned down, was it the Chiefs he turned down as well, wasn't it? Which is, yeah, which is a Super Bowl, which is obviously a Super Bowl-ready team, team that's looking like they're going to go to the Super Bowl most years for the foreseeable future. I mean, as you do when you've got potential. Well, I mean, yeah, well, it's it's one of those things you'll have to see. But I, I like the move for, as a player for him st- staying in Pittsburgh, but I don't like him as a player. I would also like to... Um, to give him credit where credit's due. He's a great run-blocking uh, receiver as they come, which a lot of receivers aren't, as receivers don't like blocking. I'm looking at you, Fawnsy. <laughs> Just for a little bit of context, uh, me, I was a running back and Fawnsy was a receiver in our offense that we played in. And he, uh, he, 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 he made most of the big plays, but he also didn't block that much. No offense. They get to the point where my guy's tackling them. They've done a good enough job. <laughs> but if I get to the point where your guy's tackling me, I'm like, I could have got an extra 30 yards. It's last ban. Big for you, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe if I actually had some sort of speed, I'd actually I'd be able to run away from them. But anyway, getting off topic. Yeah, that's my takes, basically. I think Juju's a good move for the player. Yeah, and I think his run blocking... With Pittsburgh trying to really look to jump, re, re, reinvigorate that run game a bit, I hope, then he's a key piece that an underrated piece of that run game that could come back and is something they really need to make a comeback. So I think he'd have been desperately missed if they didn't get in another run blocking receiver like him, not to discredit his passing work. Yeah, Juju's a great pick. I think he's, he's a really interesting case because it's like, it shows players aren't just willing to go for the money and all the success. They're sort of they're, that loyalty still exists in the league, which is it's, it's like food for a soul. Like it, is, it feels nice. Um, another guy I don't think you mentioned, but I may have missed it was Carl Fuller going to the Broncos. I think that's a, a really good pickup. You know, he's a I think two years removed from being an All Pro, and he joins Ronald Darby on this revamp secondary, and he looks he, he's a stud. Like he has been for the last two or three years, and he's going to be really good there. And the other thing is, like, the one-year deals, it's so exciting. Like, there's so many good players signing one-year contracts because of the salary cap and because of all these other issues. And it's like, next year, we're going to see all the free agents that were meant to come 
plus all these guys that have signed one-year deals, plus there's so much more money available. So, yeah, I think it's good having something exciting to, like, look forward to this year. But if you wait till next year, it's, like, a whole year of, like, building up and, and gradually building to this and, like, news comms being, like, who's going where and these guys are available too. And I think it's just, it's really exciting to, like... I know it's, like, we've just had free agency and it's a bit uh, geeky to be looking forward to the next free agency already. But I think in this case, it's it's justified. Yeah, and you're talking about this, uh, the money that's going to be popping around next year and such. And I think it's important to note as well, we're in the news segment, obviously there was the record TV deal signed by the NFL uh, this week, which is uh, obviously going to have a lot of cap implications because of the way the salary cap works being a share of the league revenue. So it's going to be interesting to see how the finances will trickle down. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Anyway, a funny story I thought from this week was the Michael Brockers trade to, to the Lions. It might have been last week, but anyway, after they traded for Stafford, he obviously came out and said, yeah, Stafford's like a huge level up from Jared Goff. I think, yeah, literally those were his words. And now he's obviously been traded to Detroit where he's playing with Jared Goff again. So he's had to be like, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. <laughs> no. I'm too sure. Um, and another cool thing today, I don't know if you saw, was the Raiders signed Andre James, their backup centre, to a three-year extension. I think it's like interesting because it like gives context to the the Rodney Hudson move that we were so puzzled by, and, and allegedly Gruden and Mayock are like very high on this kid, and they think he could easily take over for Hudson. So I think that's like interesting to like a nice bit of context. So obviously, I think it's important as well. We talk about there's been a lot of. Uh, news as well. I know, Fawnsy, you've uh, you've done your research into this, but there's been a lot of news surrounding Deshaun Watson and the allegations in the media, and obviously that has a lot of implications because it's it's serious allegations and stuff that we feel like we sort of have, we, well, we feel obligated to talk about because of it's it's the news and it's the it's the sort of un the unwanted reality of the NFL really that some that this is the sort of thing that we do have to talk about sometimes because it's the case of it's happening or yeah so I'll, I'll let you Fawnsy take take the lead on that if you don't mind yeah I mean it's hard to talk about the news and not not talk about what's obviously dominating the discourse and we spoke about it in the week and we we're all sort of like we want to keep the show light-hearted and we want to have jokes and tell stories about whatever we tell stories about and all these funny little anecdotes but like I think the NFL has a real dark side when, when you look back at the history of the last 10 years or so and you talk about guys like Ben Roethlisberger and Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt and the way that they're what they've done has sort of been overshadowed by how good they are as a player um, and you know firstly when you talk about Watson like, he's a phenomenal football player like you, there's no two ways about it like at, at the most important position like he is a, is, a, is a supreme talent but for the last like Five years, I think the NFL has been way too soft on these sorts of issues. So obviously, uh, Watson has been accused by I think twelve women now of sexual sexual assault. Yeah, and there's apparently. Oh, sorry. Yeah, talk. Um, and apparently, there's up to twenty-two women that are going to come forward. And all the stories are the same sort of thing, like masseuses and massage therapists that he's met up with, and he's you know I'm not going to go into the details, but there's there's plenty of stories out there if you want to go look up the details for yourselves, like. Is it's it's pretty horrible and it's really disturbing as well because I don't know about YouTube, but I've never had any sort of problems with like like friends or family or anything have had that sort of issue or that they've that they've said about. 
but I was, I was lying in bed the other day reading an article about it and it's like imagine if that's your sister or your girlfriend or your wife or your mom or something like that and it's like damn like this is really like it's so messed up and, it, and it's so messed up because Watson is a guy that personally I've always thought was like an upstanding character and the guy that's like a very high moral fiber and he's not someone that's going to do anything like this but then this news just comes out of nowhere and I think that this is like a, a perfect opportunity for the NFL to just come down and say look like we don't care how talented you are we don't care how rich you are we don't care what other teams are saying they're still going to trade for you or pick you up or bail you out or whatever you know this is a chance to say we're not going to tolerate this we don't care what you're like or anything and, you know, this sort of scenario can set a very, very dangerous precedent for young players to say, if you're good enough, we don't care, like, what you do. We don't care if you go out and, and do anything, like, because we're going to bail you out. And I think that's dangerous because it shows young players that act like that. I think it's dangerous because it stops people that have survived these sorts of incidents coming out and being like, yeah, that happened to me. Or coming out and speaking out because it, it seems like it's not going to go anywhere. Like, there are people out there who are big Deshaun Watson fans and they're going to say, well, yeah, they're obviously just making it up because he wouldn't do that. They're obviously going to side with, they, they just side with the athlete because they assume that he's of this this upstanding character. And, and that's really, like, damaging. Like, if you think how emotionally vulnerable someone would have to be after this sort of, this sort of event and then to come out and just disregard them as being a liar or not telling the truth or just seeking money, it's like, it really sets a horrible precedent. And... I think this is where it's difficult, though, because I don't think Watson should be forever kicked out of the NFL or forever just banished to never play football ever again. Because I think, and this is like my opinion, obviously it's people will take different, have different takes on this sort of thing, but I think he has to authentically show how he's changed. You know, Tyreek Hill was, was accused of domestic assault like two years ago, and he's come back in the league and he stayed pretty quiet about what he's doing in the background like he hasn't really spoken about this about how he's changed about what he's doing to help help other people that suffer with this sort of thing and I think if Watson can come out serve his punishment which will you know hopefully be severe and then come and say look you know I was struggling I was doing this it's really a sickness I'm doing this to get over it I'm reaching out to people to help that's like what they have to do but then with that being said I'm probably going to contradict myself but in like two years time, if Watson does all of that, or three years time or four years time or five years time, we're going to look back and if Watson is still in the league and he's, you know, paid the price, people just forget. And it's like, oh, you know, they don't even think about it. They don't even think about Watson is doing this. It's like Tyreek Hill goes to the Super Bowl back to back years and no one really talks about domestic abuse, which they, they should. Like it should always sort of be there with his name. So I think that's something that, I mean, I say like, as members of the media, like we're like big time players, but I think as people that have a, a platform, however small, to talk about the NFL, this is something that we need to like stay focused on. And we can't just forget in like six months time if Watson, this all sort of goes away and they pay a settlement and whatever, we should just forget and immediately, you know, go back to talking about Watson being this generational talent. I think we need to, you know, never like forget the fact that he's done this sort of thing. So, yeah, so I know I like waffled a bit, but yeah. no, um, you, you you raised some really good po points, Thorns, and I I couldn't agree more that like 
however however big or small your platform is, I think the fact that we're we're three guys having a conversation about it and making people aware, um, whoever may be listening, that you know we're open to have these conversations um, about these things that just shouldn't be happening. Uh, and it, just in general in life, not even about the NFL, if we're talking about, you know, how to make sure that women feel safe, uh, which is obviously very prevalent right now, um, as it always should be. Um, I think these conversations are obviously really, really important. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you for um, thank you for really looking into that. Um, it's it's really really interesting, and yeah, kind of like we said that we were we were kind of humming and hawing and couldn't decide whether or not we were gonna talk about this this week. But also, I I think we all kind of agreed in the end that we couldn't not talk about it. It's 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 too important, um, and I think it yeah it is our responsibility almost uh, right now to kind of yeah to bring it up and uh make each other aware if if anything and have have those kind of difficult conversations yeah i just i just want to add to it i completely agree on your on your point i think i do understand that obviously the nfl a lot of people from the nfl come from sort of impoverished background and then they're made to seem as like they're from high school to college they're almost treated like gods among mortals like they're paid the money of movie stars that but I also feel like this is the perfect chance for the NFL to go. Like I understand there's a big burden on players anyway, but they need to go, look, you have a burden. You are setting the precedent. Be the, like, set the precedent and be the ideal person. You're getting paid more than anyone else in the world for doing something that most of them, I say most, pretty much all of them love. And with that obviously comes a lot of responsibilities and a lot of, stuff so i feel this is the perfect chance for them to really go big go big and prove that they're not here to just lie about yeah yeah i think you know i said about precedent for young players but i think the precedent goes up for young men and like kids everywhere like there was a survey recently which said athletes are role models for like 73 percent of people or like behind their parents athletes are the people they look up to most so if you have a guy who is like this cultural icon doing this sort of thing it sort of says to the athlete to, to the kid like you know why, why can't i do that um and also like the fact that teams just reduce this sort of thing to character issues it's like talking about tyreek hill it's like oh you know he's a second round talent but he fell to the fifth round because you know character concerns and it's like that's not good enough like full stop like if you have a guy coming in and even if you know tyreek hill when he, he i think he abused his girlfriend in college which is a horrible, horrible story if anyone, you know, wants to look into it. But it is really disgusting. And then he comes in and there's these allegations happen again. And it's like, how do the Chiefs respond? They suspend him for a few games and they pay him $50 million. And it's like, how does this work? But yeah, like, I mean, I think we've said, said all, all we have to really say. But if anyone that's listening disagrees with what we have to say or thinks we've missed the mark with any of our points like please hit us up tell us what you think and, and let us correct it for the next time or for the future when we go on to talk about this this sort of thing and yeah yeah thank you thorns I, I think that kind of ties it up nicely um and i couldn't agree more like the conversation isn't isn't over when you know you listen to this and go yeah their opinions you know maybe right or whatever if you kind of like Thornsy said if you have an opinion on our opinion um 
help help us learn uh, and we'll try our best to you know have that conversation with you because that's what it's all about um but yeah thank you uh, gentlemen i think we that was an important conversation uh, and i think it was really really uh, important to include but with with that being said um we could probably move on to some uh more light-hearted things now uh more of the things that uh, our listeners are accustomed to uh and with that being said uh over to you shaps for the for the next segment yeah right so for the uh, for this segment something that's never been done before by anyone by anyone we're gonna we're gonna talk about the best and the worst uh well the best best and the worst the most and the least improved teams from the first week of free agency so right i've asked you all to pick one most improved and one least improved team so uh, i'm going to kick us off with going my most improved team someone that no one's even noticed they've made any actions they've been really under the radar only signed one or two pieces uh, it's the new england patriot who of course have um signed everyone and their grandmother to play for him this this uh, for this upcoming season i've i've written out a list of the um that some of their some of their acquisitions Obviously, they acquired Trent Brown through trade, but that doesn't technically fit in with our free agency episode. But they re-signed Cam Newton for 13.5 mil and a very incentive-based deal, which I like. I like Cam Newton. And I think what part of the reason why he didn't succeed last year was he didn't have the weapons around him. And also, he sort of slowed down after COVID. It sort of affected his rushing attack. Because once, once he has COVID, you saw Miles Garrett as well as some other players suffering for it when you saw they had a lack of stamina and obviously the breath, uh, breathlessness uh, really affected them. And for a rushing QB, I say rushing QB lightly, like he's a thrower as well, but for someone who's as dynamic as Cam to lose that sort of, that sort of durability aspect in his, um, in his lung capacity was bad, but I'm hoping he'll be back to his best next season. They got Matthew Judon in a deal that I really like. Uh, four years, 56 million. It's actually quite front loaded at, which is interesting considering the trend of backloading deals in this. But yeah, I love that. Gives them a bit of edge pressure, something that they've really not had too much of. They've not really been blessed with too much edge threat in the last couple of years. So I like. Then they've got the tight end duo, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith. You've got Johnny Smith for four years, 50 mil, and Hunter Henry, three years, 37 mil. Right, Johnny Smith, He's more of the dual threat, you know. He's a good blocker and he's a really good, reliable target. And I think he can sort of fill that almost, I say I say this very lightly, I'd like to specify, Gronk role in the Belichick offense. He likes a tight end that can do a bit of both. Uh, like Gronk was always, I think, in my opinion, underrated for his run blocking. I think he was always a great blocker on the line and stuff. And I think he's really going to help that. And then putting in, those, um, putting in those two tight end sets with Hunter Henry, who I think, unfortunately i don't think the Chargers. it would have made sense for them to keep him but he's a great talent and there's a lot of upside there i think so they're not they're not breaking the bank for him they're probably overpaid for both of these players but i'd say if they can make it work it's going to be worth it and then you've got they signed nelson Aguilar just to add to their skill positions eight tds about 900 yards last year uh two year 26 mil I think that's a great bit of business, adds an extra threat. Then they got Kendrick Bourne, another wide receiver threat, three years, 15 mil. He's a, he's a real quick receiver. He runs a nice free cone drill, which is something I know Belichick looks for. He likes a lot more quickness over speed sometimes. Uh, you look at how he's used like Edelman and that in the past. 
he really values that in the receiver. So I think it'll be a good scheme fit there. They picked up uh, they picked up uh, some some defensive players. Jalen Mills, uh, he was only twenty six. I thought he was older than that. Four year, twenty four million. I think this is a bounce back year for him. Hasn't really played a full season the last couple of years, and he has been hampered with injuries a little bit. Played a bit of safety last year as well, or mainly safety. But I think he's in, he's due a bounce back year, Mill. So I think that was a really smart pickup. Then obviously they've got Dante Hightower back after sitting out last year. They were hoping to get Chung back as well, but obviously lost to retirement, which is a, a loss for them. But at the same time, they've at least got Hightower back now. And suddenly I look at this roster and I'm like, there's a lot of players there. They're seven and nine. Like people joked, our oh, Patriots were so bad last year. They're a seven and nine football team. That's 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 what that's what the Vegas Raiders dream to be. Just thought I'd have to throw a dig in there to Fawnzy. But yeah, no, um, yeah, the, I, there's so much talent that they've added. And they had the seventh ranked scoring defense in the NFL last year. Most of their acquisitions have been offensive and a lot of weapons. I think we're going to see the best of Cam. He's got all this talent around him now. I, I just, it's a one year deal as well with Cam, I'd like to add, when most of the others are multi year deals. So if it doesn't work with Cam, they can bring everyone back next year, get rid of Cam and bring in a new QB. But I think it will work with Cam. I'm expecting a lot of bounce backs in this, like I said about Jalen Mills as well. There's a lot of good underrated acquisitions here, as well as sums that have been a little bit overpaid for, considering the salary cap going down, but not going down, but obviously having less salary cap to work with than a lot of teams were hoping for. But at the same time, I don't think they've overpaid too massively for, for anyone. They're also rumouredly in the market for Leonard Fournette who I think could not, or could, would play a great role in that offence, you know, doing the sort of um, LeGarrette Blunt dirty work that that really helped the Patriots to one of their Super Bowls. Was it two? Anyway, but they're my pick for most improved team. I hate to say it, but I think the Patriots are back. They obviously play in a great division. Great division, a lot of great teams in there. And I think it's going to be one of the funnest to watch in football. The AFC East next year is, is where it's at. Right. And without further ado, I'm going to see if you two have any comments on that. I assume not, considering it's the most boring pick. It's the equivalent of Fawnsy saying that the 49ers will go worse the first. That was a good pick, and you know it. Um, yeah, I mean, the Patriots have really done... It's really unprecedented as well, like, to go out and sign people like this. We've never seen it before. Um, and, yeah, the, the tight ends... They're intriguing to see, like, Gronk always had that number two guy when he was there. Bringing uh, Smith and Henry are two, like, all the top tight ends last year, so they're going to be very good together. I think Jalen Mills is, is going to be a really underrated pickup as well. Like, he's got so much experience. Like, he was one of the leaders on that Eagles defence when they went to the Super Bowl, and he's been in that, that winning um, environment. And Nelson Aguilar was a baller. Straight up. Like, I wish he stayed in uh, in Las Vegas, but obviously he's gone on to, to bigger things. And, well, not big things, because Raiders are going to win the Super Bowl, but, you know, bigger money things. Um, so, yeah, but I, I do I do like the pick, I have to say. Yeah, I, I think, kind of like you said, it is, it is the easy pick. Um, I can't remember if you said, because the list is, like, four years long for everyone that they've signed or re-signed, but I think Carl Van Noy... Is a really nice pickup. Oh yeah, sorry, uh, he's one I missed out. Uh, 
yeah sorry i thought it was my my attention span but uh yeah um yeah i think that's a really nice pickup i think there's a lot of uh dolphins fans that were hoping or, or didn't envision carvan noy leaving um and i think i'm really gutted about that um the fact that they had to cut him um i think you know Belichick notoriously gets the best out of his linebackers. And I mean, he saved Van Noy's career. Everyone, when he when Van Noy got traded from Detroit, everyone was like, that's that's a weird move. And then Carl Van Noy went on to play like all pro level football. So um yeah, yeah, the the Patriots, they're not back. I, I'm I'm telling you that now. They're not back. But there's there's some nice some nice moves there, I suppose. I like I like wait and see. <laughs> I like the dual-headed tight ends, but that's about it. And that noise. So, Fawnsy obviously brought up again, Aguilar going from a bad system, a bad team. Just, you know, he, he said, obviously, he didn't want to see him move. He didn't see him want to see him move from Las Vegas, but obviously he moved from a team that moves every other week. So, <laughs> I don't think he can really, he's really moving. He's probably finding a home. Uh, but that brings me on to the team I think had the worst free agency period and I say worst sort of in, in an interesting way I just think don't think they've done enough uh it's it's the Raiders now obviously they have made a couple big signings they've got Drake uh Kenyon carry on Drake uh Yannick Ngokwe and John Brown uh who I think uh some great pickups but they lost they lost Hudson they lost Jackson and they lost Trent Brown and they also, and you can't lose three starting O linemen and not replace them. And they haven't. It's like they haven't replaced three starting O linemen. And that's that's going to put Derek Carr under pressure. Derek Carr's a QB who performs in a clean pocket well. I think I've always rated Derek Carr, but I think he needs a clean pocket to play well. And all they've done is make his pocket very dirty. They've bought a running back and then given him not many pieces to run behind because they've got rid of most of them. And yeah, so like, it's my, it's just the fact that they've not done enough for me. I think the Ra- the Raiders are someone that they've been that team that's been on the cusp for a couple of years now. They've looked, I, I know obviously they were like, what was it? Four and 12, two years ago. And then I can't remember what their record was last year, but they've been trending upwards and they've looked like a team that looks ready with a good off-season, a team that could bounce into Super Bowl contention, maybe not Super Bowl, but maybe like to make a playoff run. And I think they've just put it all down the pan. You can't you can't lose three trench players like that on the offensive side of the ball with a QB who needs a clean pocket and then just expect to keep performing and keep winning. So I think the Raiders have shot their rebuild in the foot. I say rebuild, but like shot themselves in the foot to really push and get that get that sort of playoff caliber, Super Bowl caliber squad. And I think they've taken four steps back and one forward with uh with Drake and Gokwe and Josh Brown. And I don't think it's enough. Uh I'll ask Fawnsy what he thinks of that as a as a Raiders fan. Yeah, I agree, sadly. Um you know I think Rodney Hudson was a bit of a shocker to to get rid of him. Trent Brown just didn't look good this year. You know, he missed a lot of games. When he did play, he didn't look like the guy that was due to be getting like 15 mil or whatever he was he was getting. Um, and Gabe Jackson, I think, is is a bit past it. So I think, you know, I, I agree. I think they've had a bad off-season. But I think 
they they just haven't done enough to to make up for those losses. And and Gapgrade's a nice addition. They re-signed Nicholas Morrow. You know, they've brought back some younger linemen. I like the idea of Jacobs and Drake as like a tag team running back tandem. And Drake is like flexing out to play the slot role and the, the H back and whatever. But I think Rodney Hudson is all pro caliber and Trent Brown, I think, was on the cusp of, of all of Pro Bowl or All Pro a couple of years ago. I may have made that up completely. But yeah, if you're going to lose talent like that and not going to replace it with any any sort of established guys, then you're going to get on the Chaps' naughty list. And that that's, a, that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. The, uh, the Raiders have made some very questionable moves. I think that Rodney Hudson trade... Uh, is really, really interesting because kind of like you said, that he's still playing on all pro level and the trade is just one-sided as, like, I, I, I don't understand the logic there. One thing I do really like, um, and speaking to the guys at um, that American Football Show uh, podcast, they really liked the pickup of uh, John Brown, uh, which I couldn't agree more with. Uh, I think that's a really nice pickup. I think John Brown, underrated receiver, uh, who I think will do bits um, for the Raiders. I forgot what your team name was then. <laughs> I got there in the end. I didn't realise that would be the hard bit of the show um, for the Raiders. Um, filling what Tyrell Williams was meant to be, hopefully. Um, so that would be really, really nice. Uh, yeah. Back to you in the studio, Shaps. Yeah, just, just quickly on, on the back of that, um, John Brown's a guy that made his money being a speedster, being a, a field stretching talent. And I mean, that's exactly what Henry Ruggs is, you know, hopefully going to do for the next five years or so. So that mentorship role and teaching Ruggs, I think that would be very interesting. You can't, you can't throw deep if your QB is getting sacked after two and a half seconds. No comment. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, sorry. What as as I've just uh, insulted and badgered your team, Fawnzy, I'll let you go next. Thank you. Well, not thank you, but thank you for the handoff. Um, I was going to go for the Browns, but since you've been such a dick, I'm not. No, I'm joking. I was actually going to go for the Giants the whole time. <laughs> what a good one. Um... <laughs> so, yeah, I've gone for the Giants. I think that. When you have a young QB, you have to do everything you can to protect, to well, not protect them, but to, to give them the chance to succeed. And this offseason, O-line pending, they really have done that for Daniel Jones. You know, Saquon Barkley hopefully coming back from a torn ACL, picking up Carl Rudolph, obviously um, bringing in John Ross. Am I missing anyone? Obviously, Kenny Golladay, you know, four years, $72 million. That's a huge contract for one of the best receivers in the league when healthy. Yeah, loosely, but I think it kind of fits. And I think now you're looking at this Giants team as potentially having one of the best receiving calls in the league. Like, and that's not, uh, I don't think that's a wild take or something's going to end up on, you know, I don't think it's Daily Mail. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, they've got two good receive, two good tight ends, a trio of very talented receivers. John Ross, who, you know, we've never seen him outside of Cincinnati, so he could come out and be a, a, a star like he was supposed to be when he was drafted. And on the O-line, the Giants have sort of admitted to being like, look, we're going to go young. We're not going to try and bring in vets or like these these swing players. We're going to, I think they've got Andrew Thomas, 
Will Hernandez, Nick Gates, Shaney Mewen, and Matt Pert. Pert. Wow. I can't remember their first names, so I've sort of guessed all of them. Um, so but I think it's interesting that they're committing to going young. I think the average age for the O-line is like 23 and a half or something, which is crazy young for the NFL. And that's a risk, but I kind of like it. I like the fact that they're saying, look, we, we've got these guys. We're going to go with them. We're not going to try and stunt their growth. And if they play bad, we're going to live and die with that. Um, and then their secondary, like you, you look at this team and they've got just like for two top guys, James Bradbury and, and Logan Ryan, two elite cornerbacks straight away. There's rumours, very strong rumours that they're going to try and sign Adoree Jackson in the next couple, in the next couple of days. And he's a guy that, like, I don't know if you guys have seen this stat, but he was, he's the fourth ranked cover corner, according to PFF, over the last three years, behind only Richard Sherburn, Jay Alexander and Stefan Gilmore. So he's like, he's good, like, he, he's, he, can, he can play. And they've got young corners too, Sam Bill, Junior Love, Darnay Holmes, plus the D-line, you know, bringing bring back Leonard Williams. I think that they, they've really done a lot to put themselves in, in, Maybe I mean we can, we can say contention because it's the NFC East, but I think they've just built a very good foundation uh, at the very least, and still picking at number eleven in the draft, where there's going to be a, a handful of good ed, young edge rushers available who can they, they can then pick up and add in. Or there's Clowney, Melvin Ingram, Alan Smith, Carlos Dunlop, Justin Houston, all guys that could be looking for a chance to play on an up and coming team. And if I'm edge rusher, you know, I know so much about it because I did it once in a training session. This is the kind of place where you want to play. Like you have two talented uh, D linemen, uh, two talented D linemen, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, and you have a good secondary, which is going to give you time to get to the quarterback. And the QB is going to have that pressure in his face, so he's going to have to set deeper, which makes it even easier for you to go around and get to him. So I really like what the Giants have done. Um, and so yeah, the idea of building around Jones and building around a, a young QB sort of leads me to the next point, which is. The Eagles as my team that haven't done too well this free agency. And the key reason is because they haven't gone and built around Hertz as a starter. I mean, we spoke about Hertz and then the Eagles, like episode two, episode three, with the Carson Wentz trade. And Jeffrey Lurie, the Eagles owner, came out and said, Hertz is the guy. We're going to do everything we can to build around him this offseason. I may be paraphrasing, because, but still. And, and what have they done? They've added Anthony Harris to safety and a couple D linemen. And it's like, if this is how you're going to treat your guy, if this is how you're going to go out and build your, your franchise around a player, like what kind of message is that sending? Like, and yeah, I mean, their O-line is good. They, they've got Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, two of the better O-linemen in the league, went healthy, and they haven't really been healthy the last year or so. And the receiving core, Jalen Riga, Greg Ward, Travis Fulgham, again, they're guys that are like good, like maybe two receipt, maybe a number two, maybe a number three. They could all break out this year and prove me completely wrong. And that would be a travesty. But like, I just don't think they've done enough to, to really get like established stars and, and guys to come in and show Jalen Hurts, like, look, we're here for you. We're going to go and build around you and, and shore up the team so that we can win with you at the helm. And I think looking at the roster right now, there's a good chance that we're going to come here and be sat not sat here because I, I don't know about you guys, but I won't have this house next year. But we'll be sat here and talking about how the, how Hurts has struggled in his, his first year as a starter. And I think it's because they haven't built around him. They haven't given him the chance to succeed. Um, 
So yeah, and just quickly, re-signing Brandon Graham, I like it. I think he's a great talent. And they did have didn't really have the salary cap to go and get guys, but I think really with the way that NFL accountants can move money around, that that's not really an excuse that can be that can be used. Yeah, I uh, the, you pretty much just stole my point right at the death. There was that uh, the Eagles are almost in the situation uh, where they couldn't do much because they don't have the cap. Uh, but also, then you could argue that by the sounds of things, they they they're doing something wrong because the Bucks made it work and brought back pretty much an entire Super Bowl winning team. Um, they just made it work and the Chiefs doing the same the Saints are slowly but surely figure that, figuring it out so what are the Eagles not doing that everybody else is doing um, so yeah so I, I think you're absolutely right I think they, they've improved the least um, because they, they look like they're almost not not putting in it almost feels like it doesn't mean as much to them or they don't or they say or they say they're believing in the Hurts hype but they don't fully believe it Whereas, like I said, teams like the Bucks, no, well, I mean, they've got the evidence to back it up from the Super Bowl that they've just won, but they believe that that's a Super Bowl winning team and that group of guys needs to be together. So they made the effort to work things around and now that team is back together for another few years. Yeah. You know what I think the big issue there is, is I think the Eagles front office is clearly listening to the podcast and they heard my worst of first analysis of them and they thought, yeah, you know what? We can we can go worst to first, but they've they've sat on their laurels, they've they've messed about, and you know what? I'm gonna reject my take from a couple episodes back. It's only taken two, it's only taken two weeks, and I'm already completely rejecting my take because yeah, you've got Washington's become better. So I don't want to go off topic, but Washington's become better. The other teams and divisions have come be- have become better, and I think the Eagles have done nothing. It's it's the same case, and then taking it back to your to your better pick, the uh, the New York Giants. I think I completely agree. I do like the move of building a um, building a young O line. If if it does piece together, then they've got a cheap O line, and to get a cheap and good O line is very rare in the NFL. And that sort of gives you that cap room to spend elsewhere. And I also agree with you with what you've both said about the free agency uh, about free agencies. You can move money about. So there's no excuse for not making signings. Um, yeah, I actually was thinking when I chose the Eagles, I need to listen to back to the podcast where you spoke about them, but I completely forgot. So if I've missed anything, just just hit me up on Twitter at EdChaplin34, and um, yeah, I'll get back to you. I'll sign out Twitter. <laughs> um, also, you know, talking about Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones, uh, I think I said this last week, but Move the Sticks, the NFL podcast, talk about trucks and trailers, QBs that are like guys to build around and QBs that need to be built around. I hope that distinguished as well as I thought it was going to be in my head. Anyway, you have guys that can lead the franchise, guys that need to get full trucks, trailers. Listen to them. It's a brilliant podcast. And that's an unpaid promo. You're welcome. Um, but I think, it, yeah, when you look at a guy, a guy like Jalen Hurts when he's this young, you need to sort of build around him and the Eagles haven't really done that, haven't given him the conditions to succeed. Uh, Dan, over to you. Nice one. Thank you very much. Um, I'm not going to waste too much of your time here. Um, uh, for my most improved, I really like uh, what the Buffalo Bills have done. Uh, as a team that's not too far away, uh, I think they've, uh, and obviously they made it, they were pretty close to getting to the Super Bowl last year, a couple of games away. 
Um, I think they've done quite nicely. They've gone for a quite similar approach to the Bucks in that they want to bring back a lot of the guys that helped them get there. So Matt Milano's back, uh, guys on the offensive line, uh, John Feliciano, uh, Darrell Williams. Uh, nice moves that I think are really, really important uh, to keep those kind of main pieces and not to almost, you've got this far, don't then sort of throw everything away and get new like a whole new setup in. Uh, I think it's really, really nice that they've brought those couple of pieces back, but also a couple of new acquisitions that I think have slid under the radar. Um, I've talked about it uh, right at the beginning, but Emmanuel Sanders, I think, uh, is essentially a big upgrade on, maybe not a big upgrade, that might be unfair, because I, you know, uh, sang John Brown's praises throughout the uh, throughout the podcast, but I think Sanders is still an upgrade uh, on John Brown, uh, who helped hold that Saints um, offense together last year, along with Kamara, who obviously had a fantastic season. Um, but Sanders kept the receiving call going um, when Michael Thomas was doing whatever he was doing, um, <laughs> and. Yeah, I think that's a really nice move uh, and made that offense uh, even more exciting and provides another option. And I think something that needs to be said that is not talked about enough is the signing of Mitch Trubisky. Now, you're yeah, exactly. Shaps, you're looking at me like, what are you talking about? Thorns, you nodded, so you're clearly right. Um, <laughs> Vegas, Vegas re-signed Nathan Peterman. You didn't see me bringing up a, a relevant QB. Uh, you'll be surprised. Uh, the I think backup QB uh, is a really important position and something that isn't talked about enough uh, in the NFL. Um, and Carson Wentz and Nick Foles are the perfect example of this. Uh, Josh Allen this season, um, near MVP season. Yeah, fantastic. Carson Wentz, the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl, near MVP season, had he not got injured. If he doesn't have the reliable backup in Nick Foles, they don't win the Super Bowl that year. Mitch Trubisky is on a one year, and I believe it's like a 2.5 mil. Nothing in the NFL in terms of like backup QB. Tyrod Taylor's on like 12 mil for the Texans. So like put that in comparison. Uh, and Trubisky has his moments. Trubisky's reliable enough. Yeah. He, he led a, well, I see. Didn't maybe play his, he played inconsistent football in Chicago, but you know, I think that's a really, I really, really like that signing. And, you know, call me crazy, whatever you want. We're here to, you know, give you our takes. And uh, I really, really like that move. So I really, really like just the quiet, simple, plodding along moves that the Bills have done. I think that's really, really good. Bringing back the pieces, but also adding some new uh, exciting things along the way. Um, the team that I think have least improved, and I think least improved might be, might be wrong, but I've gone for this more as just, I just don't like the moves that they've done. I've gone for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, on the basis that um, I just don't like what they've done with the O-line. I'll be honest. Mitchell, <laughs> Mitchell Swartz uh, has obviously been getting on a bit uh, and there's potential talks of him retiring. So I like, I do get it. Um, and Eric Fisher on the other side, I think it, it was a really big deal when they both got cut. It was almost like, it felt like because they both didn't turn up for the Super Bowl that they were getting punished for it. There's literally what it felt like uh, when I saw those cuts. Um, now, don't get me wrong. The Chiefs have added 
Joe Tooney, Thooney, whatever you want to call him, Joe Tooney. Um, and uh, and have picked up Kyle Long out of retirement. Um, Kyle Long's been retired a year. Okay. So, like, he knew that he wanted to retire. And don't get me wrong, like, obviously, Gronk's come back this year after retiring for a year and played an incredible season. But Gronk is Gronk. Gronk's an unbelievable talent uh, that is an offensive skill. He's a skill position player. Uh, though, in reality, we knew it was going to have, you know, realistically an all right season. Kyle Long's a year removed. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not sold on that idea. Um, I think he's going to be, you know, he'll, he'll play, but like, you know, is he an upgrade? Not in my opinion. Joe Thune, uh, I think has been a reliable uh, O-lineman on a Patriots O-line that's just, they just seem to make it, make it work with whatever O-line they have. Uh, and I think that's almost the mystique of the Patriots O-line is that when they do hit free agency is they get paid because they've always played other than, you know, the season just gone, always played on a winning team. So guys like Nate Solder who have hit free agency and just um, got paid because they've played on a winning team and have, you know, done reasonably well. I think the mystique of that Patriots O-line has happened again here. Uh, I don't think he'll be as good as they think he is. I think he's got overpaid massively. Um, don't get me wrong, it's important to have an O-line, but yeah, I not for me. Uh, and Austin Rita, who I think is quite a nice, reliable player, is still uh, still a free agent, which surprised me. Um, so yeah, I, I just don't like the offensive line moves uh, with the Chiefs, and that's why I picked them, because they're in my division, and I want to slam them as much as possible, and yeah, so attack the tackle positions because there's going to be two completely new guards uh, there. And you'd think with how the Super Bowl went that they'd be really keen to bring back Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz because that was the area of need um, in the Super Bowl. And essentially, at the end of the day, that's potentially what cost them. Um, but they've thrown them away. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be two young guys or two journeyman tackles. So that's why I don't like it. I think they need to. They needed. They have needed to do more to make that O line better to get them back to the Super Bowl. Right. Look, I hate the idea that you need a veteran QB or like an established QB two. I just don't see the point. Like the Bills already have Jake Fromm, who I think was a great little understudy for Josh Allen, and now they've basically gone to Jake Fromm. Oh yeah, we're, we're done. We're done with you. Go now. Like we brought in Mitch, you QB free. You're just sitting there to be cut in a year or two's time. That's what it feels like. This move feels like to me. You talk about the Nick Foles move and how he helped Philly win a Super Bowl. Yes, he was a backup QB that won a Super Bowl, but that's not a precedent. That's not something that happens often. Most times, what happens is your starting QB goes down injured, and you see that yeah, unfortunately, unlucky luck of the jaw. You restart and get try a new season. Doesn't matter how good your backup is. 99% of the time, if your starting QB goes down injured, that's your season. So you might as well accept that. If my starting QB goes down and I know I'm not going to win a Super Bowl, which it is the case. I'm sorry, I don't care about what Foles did. It is the case. And I know I'm not going to win a Super Bowl. I'd rather have a bad QB 
lose some more games, get a better draft pick and just be like, well, we'll get them next year when we've got our starter back. I understand Mitch is only 2.5 mil, but like I said, you don't want to harm the development of Jake Fromm, who I thought was a really smart draft pick by the Bills. I thought he'd slid way further than I, than he should have. I think he's a good player, and I watched QB1 under the lights. I'm not sure if either of you have seen it, but it's a great thing that watches the number one high school QBs, like some of the best high school QBs as they go around. And Jake Fromm was on it as a high school QB, being filmed for a year. I think he was on the same year as Tate Martell. So having the two polar opposites there was really interesting because you could just see how it really highlighted how good Jake Fromm's character is. And I, I don't see why you bring in Mitch Trubisky. There's just no point. And I think the move just adds confusion. And I don't think it elevates anyone's game. So yeah, that's 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 my take on that. And yeah, I just don't agree with the with the move of picking up a random veteran QB when you already have Jake from. Yeah, do you know what you raised uh you raised some good points. Uh I think uh yeah, forgetting that Jake Fromm was in the QB room. Uh I know a lot of uh hype or draft hype from this time last year uh was Jake Fromm was the heir apparent or the potential heir apparent to Tom Brady in New England. Uh, it was a lot of drafts, uh, mock drafts that I saw uh, with him going to New England. So you, you raise a good point. Um, but I also disagree with the fact that you kind of say Nick Foles is, is the exception in the sense that backup QBs obviously play vital roles uh, within um, those circumstances where like, for example, this season where um, sorry, because I think it was against the Browns. So I don't, I, I feel guilty. But uh, yeah, when Mahomes goes down, if they don't have a reliable uh, backup that solves that problem in the situation, then they they don't make the Super Bowl. Do you know what I mean? Reliable backup. He threw he threw an into he threw one of the worst interceptions I think I've ever seen in my life. But he made the game winning play. So like, I made the game winning play. Okay. I've seen you throw. You definitely could not make that. <laughs> you can't even dodge a corner thirty yards down the field when Thornsey's blocked him out of bounds. Oh, the day I see yeah. Thornsey block someone out of bounds is the day. I don't even. It's the day the New York Jets sign. I don't know. I've been blocked out of bounds before. I've never blocked anyone out. Um. <laughs> anyway. It was actually. It was really painful and embarrassing. On top of that. I can't wait to uh, for our listeners to hear about. Yeah, well, I'll just have to say a swear word so it gets cut. <laughs> um, uh, your takes on my takes. I think it's it's interesting to have two teams that are like they're competing against each other at the end of the season. You know, obviously NFCs play each other throughout the year, and Raiders and the Pats aren't relevant. <laughs> <laughs> oh god well uh, according according to shaps one's going to the uh the afc championship game and one's getting the number one overall pick this time next year so yeah, <laughs> yeah. so anyway um it's, it's interesting to have two teams that are so like reach the same point of the season last year um and yeah i agree i think the bill's they didn't need a knee-jerk reaction. I think it would it would have been easy to turn around and say, "What can we do this off-season to go and beat the Chiefs?" Like, how can we? We need to throw the bank at JJ. What we need to go all in to get um, 
Trent Williams or we need to go and spend loads of money to upgrade our what do they need to upgrade? Like cornerback safeties, I don't know, something that would help. Um, I was kind of sad though by the Emmanuel Sanders pickup. I think it is obviously a good pickup, but I was quite excited to see Gabriel Davis and see what he could do in, in a bigger role. You know, he played really well in the in the playoff game and I'd be excited to see that. I think Mitch Trubisky is he's gonna be one of them facts where it's like who was who was taken before Patrick Mahomes in the 2017 NFL draft? And everyone's gonna be like, mm-hmm. Trubisky. But you know, he he almost won a playoff game. I think I don't know if you guys remember this, but the double doink in Chicago, like, and he didn't just like like lean on his defense to get there. He played a pretty awful game, but he put together this clutch game-winning drive to get them down in field goal range, just for the kicker Cody Parkey. Yeah, Cody Parkey now of the Browns just been re-signed. I was going to say just while you bring that up, he was also a Pro Bowler that year. Just if you want another statistical anomaly, but that word. Yeah, and and even then, like we, uh, we, uh, we, I, me, the one person, watched the Pro Bowl highlights from a couple of years ago, and it's like Pat Mahomes, uh, Russell Wilson, I think Drew Brees, and then Mitch Trubisky, and it's like all these highlights of like. Uh, Mahomes doing these no-look passes and Wilson leading the team and, and being in control in the huddle and it's Trubisky throwing I think back-to-back interceptions or back-to-back drives so he's kind of just becoming a meme but and I, I don't know I don't know if I agree or don't agree because I don't really think he's like one of their key pickups this offseason but I do think I'm sort of in the middle of you two in that I don't agree with Shaps and I do think backup QBs are important but I don't really think you can look at Trubisky and say this is the guy that's like been one of their top guys. But still, you know, I, I get your point. Um, and also, when you're talking about Patriots O-linemen, that was what happened with Trent Brown, I think. He played for the Patriots for a season and that led the Raiders to give him like 15 million a year afterwards. Um, and now he's back at the Patriots on however much money. Um, and I think the Chiefs O-line is similar to the, to the Raiders and, and what Shap spoke about in the they didn't necessarily want to get rid of Schwartz and Fisher, but I think these are two guys that are dealing with potentially long-term, very difficult to recover from injuries, and the Chiefs don't want to be sort of waste a year of Mahomes in his prime, waiting for these two guys to get healthy. They'd rather get the money off their books and go and sign guys like Tooney and make a run at Trent Williams and make a run at, at Juju Smith-Schuster. And so I kind of get where they're coming from, but again, I think after getting rid of two guys of that caliber, they haven't got enough to make up for that loss in the same way that the Raiders do. But ultimately, uh, I think they're two very intriguing picks, and also hopefully we'll see them in the playoffs this year, so we can see how it plays out in the long in the long run. Yep, thank you, boys. Um, cool. Right, uh, those are our picks for most and least improved teams through first few weeks of free agency. Uh, over to you, Thornito. Right, now to the fun bit of the show. Where Oi, I thought my section was lovely. Look, I didn't talk when you did your introduction, so I'd appreciate you not talking for my introduction. Yeah, Shaps, to be fair, sorry, Thorns. (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) He did describe his bit as fun. If you yours can be lovely, but his can be fun. Anyway, back back to you, Thorns. I promise it won't happen again. 
Okay, now to the fun bit of the show. You know, we have two teachers in here, me included, and um, Shaps is a coach, so there's three of us really. And we're just, you know, here to educate and, and teach you about the free agents that have been available. So we're going to do a little bit of a quiz. And it's same as last week where you pick a player and we're going to give you some facts uh, and some stats and some maybe a little anecdote, if you have one. And from that, the other two of us are going to try and guess who the player they are describing is. You're free to play along at home, but there's no prizes, so <laughs> there's no point really. Um, but you know, you can keep score yourself and, and if you're lucky, get a pat on the back. Anyway, so we're going to go with Shaq Barrett again as, as an example. Um, you know, say the same facts we had last week, undrafted in 2014, 27 and a half sacks, QB hits, QB pressures, Pro Bowls, All Pro, blah, blah, blah. This player with these stats, obviously not meant to know his name, but you know, it's an example. So give me a break. Um, so on a four-year, $68 million deal with $36 million guaranteed, you know, and then you say, who is it? And everyone goes, Shaq Barrett, you stood at the start, you plonker. So yeah, the gist of the game is it's the same as last week, except this week, we know where they went. We know what contract they got, and we're going to sort of discuss them in that light. So I'm going to go first, Shaq second, down third. So my player, he was drafted in the fourth round in 2017. I'm not going to say the team because it might be a big clue. The team that drafted him, obviously. Uh, last season, he played 15 games, made 83 tackles, had one sack, four pass defences, two interceptions, and this came off the back of three interceptions in 2019. He's a safety, and the contract he got this year is four years, $35 million, with 16 mil guaranteed, and a potential to go up to 40 million with incentives. <clears throat> Can you guess who it is? Um... How many years? Sorry, four. Yeah, four years, and he's a safety. Oh, um, I don't want to guess it too early, so I might keep my guess to myself if that's cool. Yeah, I think I may have it, but I might be wrong. Um, I, I'm not that sure. If I'm being completely honest, right. so what did you say? Twenty fourteen. 2017. 2017. Okay. Yeah. Um. He was drafted by the Chargers. Drafted by the Chargers. Okay. Yeah, I I have got this, uh, and I'm not going to say just yet. Um, but this is a guy that kind of slides or has slid under the radar last few years, and has had to kind of work his way up based off of Dylan James being injured. Um, the only other safety I know from the Chargers I didn't think was going to free agency, so this could just be me seeing stupid. Is it? It's something like Jenkins or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, racial Jenkins. I, I don't have a clue. All I know is that he's a safety for the Chargers. I couldn't tell you anything else. I thought he was still on the Chargers, if I'm being honest, which means I'm not. Yeah, yeah so racial Jenkins. And like like you, I didn't really know who he was. Like I thought maybe a special team or that sort of thing. But yeah, and he, he stuck out for like the last. I think he signed really quickly as well. Like he was one of the big names, like first names to go on like a big like almost ten million a year for a safety. That's huge. That's huge money. And yeah, un unheralded. And I think you know we like throwing it back to old episodes and we're back when we spoke about building a team and 
for me, one of the important bits was a safety, a good safety. And, you know, Urban Meyer and Jags have obviously gone out and, and tried to do that with, with Jenkins. So, you know, I'm excited to see how he does. And four years is a long time to sort of build himself up and and be a leader on a defense that, that really needed one. Um, Shaps, over to you. Okay, yeah. So my pick is a defensive player. They signed a three-year deal. They're someone who I think their primary purpose that they've been brought in for is to help with the run. They have 350 career combined tackles and they are an ex-third round pick. Now, I'm assuming you guys might be getting where I'm going. In 2017 or so. Okay, yeah, they're, they're fast all over the field. They have got very good coverage skills as well, I should mention. Very good coverage skills, fast all over the field. And they have joined a team to play in the same unit as uh, one of the, as him, this player, and somebody else from the old unit have both joined this new team in free agency. What position are they? Oh, I can't give it away. Three year, 33.75 million, averaging about 11.25 a year. It's not. Um... Uh, John Johnson, is it? It is indeed. I couldn't go a whole episode without mentioning the Browns. Um, yeah, so three year, 33.75 million, 11.25 a year, 350 career tackles, eight interceptions, one forced fumble. His last two seasons where he was healthy, he had over 100 combined tackles in each of them. Uh, he's got forced fumble before. I think he's fast. I think he's going to be a great mentor for uh, Grant Delpit. Uh, but yeah, I think... I just basically wanted to put this in so I could talk about the Browns. And I think for, for Delpit as well, to come into a secondary where he's got where he's got three established veterans in uh in Denzel Ward, Troy Hill, and John Johnson. Obviously, he spent the whole of last year in the meetings with the Browns, watching film with the Browns, at least I hope he has. Uh, but yeah, so he should he should be able to jump in, be in a very experienced secondary. I say very, but like they none of them are that old. Are still young, but a young secondary that has all played in the NFL for a little bit of time. And then you've also got Greedy Williams, who's another defensive player who can hopefully, I'm really hoping he can come back from his injury and start making plays again. Well, I say plays again, like he never really got a chance to get his career kick started. But he's someone who I think if he can get if he can get his uh, injury issues sorted or had a lot of upside, and I'd like to see him play again. And I think for two players like Greedy and like Delpit, this is the perfect move for them. Also shores up the weakness of the Browns team. And I think bringing in Holt and Johnson, Hill and Johnson, makes the secondary from a weakness to a strength. And I, I, it just leaves the linebacking core and another edge rusher to go along Miles Garrett. And I think the Browns are ready to rock and roll. So yeah, that's my, that's my take. Quite kind of a boring one. Sorry to go back-to-back safeties, but I think it is a bit of an undervalued position nowadays. Like you look at what people like Ed Reed have done in the past and, you know, like they, they are big, you can have splash players at safety that I think don't get the respect they deserve. And the safety position doesn't get paid that much. I think it is the lowest valued franchise tag. Cause we were talking about that when you were talking about potentially uh, um, franchise tagging John Johnson. And the other thing that I should mention as well is he's a start is he was a, he was a captain, sorry. Uh, he was a captain and a leader of that defense. He was sort of 
one of the, I know it's a cliche, but one of the quarterbacks of the defense. And you can't get enough people like that in a room. So, yeah. Yeah, def- definitely not. I think the leadership is something that you don't really see in the stats as well. So, obviously, that's, that's a, a good point to bring up. And, yeah, John Johnson has been one of the best players on one of the best defences for the past two, three years. So, infinite value. Value times 100. Um, cool. Uh, Dan, you're up. Uh, cool. Uh, and I think this worked out quite nicely because I've actually gone offense uh, with my uh, guest, the player. Um, so this player was taken in the second round. Uh, I'm not going to give you the year just yet. They have played in 131 career games um, with 8,484 yards receiving and 86 total touchdowns. They have recently signed for their team on a one-year, $10 million deal. Any guesses so far? Can I... I think I might have it. Mm-hmm. Can I go straight in with it? Um, I would say you can, but try and... Has he had injury troubles in the last couple of years? Yeah, I would say so. Has he not been really at his best... The lot. He's had a few off years. No, I wouldn't say so. Actually, I would. Oh, in which case, I, I think I'm off kilter. I was going to go with uh, AJ Green. Uh, no, it wasn't AJ Green. That's a um, good guess, though. But I, I might be wrong. I think AJ Green may have gone in the first. Ah. I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, this player kind of ties in nicely then to my next few points. Uh, this player. Um, arguably had one of their better seasons maybe not in terms of stats but in terms of um in terms of how they played this year i think they were they were uh, very well received very um clutch um in their most dominant season this person uh, caught 17 touchdowns um they have played a total of 20 career postseason games uh, where well, they have over a thousand yards in those uh, in those games altogether, uh, including fourteen postseason receiving touchdowns. Uh, it's Rob Gronkowski. Uh, you had me thinking receiver, you cheeky devil. Yeah. Uh, so I did play the system there a little bit, uh, and I knew you'd be thinking receiver. I also cheated the system a little bit because. Rob Gronkowski has obviously re-signed uh, with the team that let him hit free agency. And I mean, it was I don't think it was ever a doubt that he would be back in Tampa. But I also think it's a key signing. I think the, the Brady-Gronk connection is something that has been vital to uh, their success over the years. Um, and it's obviously something that Belichick is now trying to recreate uh, with the jewel, the two-headed monster that is um, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. I don't know if I can call it that yet, um, but, but you know. Um, but I think ten mil for a guy that statistically may not have played his best football. But I also think they were a bit wary at the start of the season about playing him too much, considering he's been a year removed from football. Uh, I think 
only grew as the season. He was a, he was a hundred percent just unfit at the start of the year. Oh yeah, he, he was just getting back into the swing of things, and I think by the end, you know, the stats read that they, you know, if you look back in 10, 15 years, you go, oh, Gronk came back just to do that. But you think he had seven touchdowns this season um, and was vital, I think, to um, providing another weapon in that offense. So I think, um, yeah, I think 10 mil, I mean, it may be a bit steep for a tight end reaching there. But you, you, do you know what? One of those things, I think, because he retired last year. Well, yeah, the season before, sorry. You forget that he's 31. It feels like he's about 38. Um, oh, for anyone that's listening and really wants to know and can't be bothered to do it, it was 2010 he was drafted in. Um, you know, just, just for the sake of clarity. Um, but yeah, um, it feels like he's way older than he is. So, you know, 10 mil for arguably the top receiver on your team. And I know that is arguably because there are some very strong candidates. Top third uh, down receiver, I'd say. Yeah. Well, way of phrasing it. And yeah, obviously you touched upon that um, weeks ago when we were talking about our most important uh, positions on the field, uh, who you go into on third down on the, what's, you know, called the money down. Gronk's the guy you're looking at all day, every day. So yeah, I think, I think that's a key signing. Yeah. And just to tad on talking about Gronk being younger than you think, hot like going way back, it was like ages ago at the start of the show, talking about Trent Williams. And Trent Williams sat out like a year, year and a half uh, when he was playing for Washington. And that, like, obviously, those years you sort of can add on to the end of a guy's, you could say, lifespan, career span is probably a better word, but yeah, you can sort of add on to the end of it. So Gronk missing a season is like he's 31 and he has that year of rehab and getting healthy and you can sort of add that to where he's going to go from here and obviously you know he was the guy in the Super Bowl he get what two touchdowns yeah yeah he, de- he definitely needed the year off I think as well because you just have to look at his injury history in his last few years as a patriot because the way he plays is so physical so aggressive so frat boy and that's why everyone loves him because that's how he plays is he just doesn't care about his body but obviously that took its toll and I think a year off is, is, has done in the world of good. It obviously, he took his year off a bit too. He lost a lot of weight, slimmed down quite a lot, messed about a bit with rest. I say messed about, he did what he wanted, which is all you can hope for him. But yeah, he did his wrestling and stuff, you know, had fun, partied, and then faked workout videos or whatever he did in the off season, which might have been part of why he was unfit. But he came back, got his fitness back and became a, sneaky fantasy pick for late in the season nice pick up when people had cut him when he was unproductive at the start but yeah I think he was he was great he was great and he's part of the reason they got a Super Bowl last year so can't argue with that I think 10 mil is a bit on the expensive side but you look at like the Browns are no cool he's talking about the Browns again but the Browns are paying Austin Hooper more than that Hunter Henry's getting paid more than that Johnny well let me check my my notes from the previous section. Uh, Johnny Smith's getting paid more than that. Like, there's so many people who are getting paid more than that. Like, he's a bargain compared to... I, like, I know, like, who would you rather have right now? Would you rather have Gronkowski or Austin Hooper? You'd rather have Gronk because yeah. he's a proven winner and he will come up clutch. So, yeah. 
that's me just piggybacking on your point to death. And uh, that's, I think, all we got. But yeah. I'll quickly, before, before obviously you do the roundup, I do want to throw a couple things in. So I know you've been thinking, oh no, did he, forgot to tell, did he forget to tell me who the mystery player was from last week? No, I did not. So the mystery player whose stats I read out were, uh, it was, any guesses? I think you both guessed it straight after the show. I think I gave one too many clues away in the end. So I'll let one of you say, who was it? Justin Gilbert. <laughs> Correct. No, it's uh, Jamal Charles, uh, one of the one of the great running backs of the NFL in recent time. But I decided, you know what? It's a little bit fun to leave to leave to leave you with like a little little tidbit to to think on for next week. So I'm going to do it again. So recently, I um I was watch I was looking into and watching some stuff on free agency and that just because. It's what I do with my life, which is why I don't have fun stories like Fawnsie. But yeah, um, so who was the first unrestricted free agent signing of all time? Spoiler alert, it might be more recent than you think. But yeah, the first ever unrestricted free agent of all time was who? And that's one I'll answer next week. Perfect. Thanks, Shaps. Uh, lovely. And um kind of going back a couple of points, but I think it's quite nice to kind of finish off the episode today. Um, it'll be interesting to see, obviously we talked about how Gronk needed that year off and we can almost add that onto his career span. It'll be interesting now with the guys going forward to the draft, because obviously next week we move forward to mock draft 2.0, which I cannot wait for. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the guys that have opted out uh, this year from college play how they adapt to the NFL and the guys that graded so highly last year in college Greg Rousseau who didn't play uh, and these other guys sorry Greg Rousseau was just the first one that came to my head um, these other guys that just didn't play Penny Sewell there you go there's another one <laughs> my brain caught up with my point um, <laughs> um, how, yeah how they adjust having not played football for a year is, is a year in the gym with these young guys that, you know, the bodies getting their bodies to where they want them to be for the NFL. It'd be interesting to see whether that's helped or hindered them. Um, but thank you boys. Uh, thank you for a lots of fantastic talking points today. I think we've really covered a lot of, um, a lot of nice lighthearted uh, football talk, but also some, some real life talk as well that I think was really, really important for us to, uh, to cover. Uh, and I look like I said, I look forward to uh, the mock draft next week and uh, a special guest uh, joining us on the show. So that'll be fun. Uh, so without with without saying too much more, uh, nice one, Thorns. Have a good week, mate. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Been a whale of a time. Been a whale of a wash. <laughs> oh, Shark Tale! What a film. Uh, nice one. Uh, it's nice of you to show some energy, Thorns. Uh, right, Shaps, nice one, mate. Have a good week. Thank you very much. I uh, I hope I have a more exciting week so I finally have something to say. It, yeah, it'll be nice when you say, when I say, how are you, for you to actually respond. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, nice one, boys. Have a good week and uh, we'll catch you next week. Uh, take care, all. Much love. Dad.